scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we observed a star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling all together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are, no, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And from you shall come a ruler, who is, my, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from the exact time when the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them there was a star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left by their own, for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, my parents are from the same small town in Oklahoma, so naturally when you could visit, you would know that I'd have to visit both sides of the family. Um, growing up, we would often make the yearly trip to Oklahoma to visit them. Sometimes it would be at Christmas, sometimes it would be like after Christmas, like I would be there right now if we had gone. Uh, sometimes it was during the summer, sometimes it was Thanksgiving. It just varied from what was going on in year. Well, when I was 15 and learning to drive with my permit, my dad thought it would be a great idea and a great learning opportunity for me to drive the whole way from Sepulpa, Oklahoma to Brentwood, Tennessee. That is a nine-hour drive. I was terrified. Looking back, I don't know why I was terrified. It is literally one interstate between Sepulpa and Nashville. Just get on I-40 and keep going east. But I wanted my dad at the time, I wanted him to turn on one of those GPSs that you, you didn't have it on the phone, but you had it in your car. I wanted him to turn on that so that I could know where I was going. And he said, no, you're going to learn how to read the interstate signs. And that just added to my anxiety. Well, I made it fine, back fine from Tennessee, you know, following the signs from Sepulpa to Little Rock, from Little Rock to Memphis from Memphis to Jackson, from Jackson to Nashville. It might have taken 11 hours instead of 9 because I was going 55 the whole way, but I did indeed make it back to Tennessee. Today is Epiphany, which if you don't know is the day we celebrate the coming of the wise men. It is the end of the Christmas season. So the 12 days of Christmas that we sing about with the partridge and the pear tree starts on Christmas and ends on Epiphany. And so today we're celebrating the coming of the wise men, the Epiphany that they have when they see the Savior being born. Unlike me on the interstate, when I was 15, the wise men were experts at reading signs. 
They weren't Jews, though they had some influence on there. They, were, they didn't follow the Jewish tradition, but they didn't make the sacrifices. They didn't keep with Jewish customs. We're told the Magi are from the East. Now, we don't really know what Matthew means by the East, but we could guess he doesn't mean like far, as far as the Orient, probably, or like the East Asia and all of that going on. He doesn't mean maybe that he might, but unlikely. Our guess is that the land of Persia, which is like modern-day Iran, all that area around there, that would be kind of the east, and they would have been great surveyors of the sky. They could tell you where the star, which star is where, and what that means for the season that we live in. They could get anywhere just by looking at the night sky. how to follow the stars to know if you're going in the right direction. They were experts. They could look at the sky and tell you anything that they want to know about it. So much that when the star of Bethlehem appears, they immediately take notice and begin their journey. Now, we're not really told how long it is, but the, the wise men are not present for the birth of Jesus because it takes a long time to get from Persia to Israel. And so they come up with all that. They're following the star when it appears so that they know that a Savior has been born. Their culture and their religion that they would have practiced would have told them that this is what was going to happen. This star meant that the Savior of the world had been born and that there would have been a king to honor. So they pack up and they make the journey to follow this sign. And the journey itself is a risk. They lost everything. They had to brave elements, probably bandits, robbers, lost. They could have lost their very lives attempting to go and make and pay homage to this little baby. But they make the journey anyway. They stop at Herod, which I guess they go to Jerusalem because like, oh, that's the center of everything. Let's go learn at Jerusalem. But they stop and talk to Herod, which I don't know about you all, but I don't think it's very wise to go to a current king and be like, hey, where's your replacement? Where's your usurper? The king could have killed them right there. They could have continued, to, but they continued, and they go where they're led. And then finally they get to their destination. They see this little child not surrounded by palace servants or caretakers, but a poor carpenter father and mother. Jesus is just a regular baby. But this is where the star stopped. This is where God had led them. So they present their gifts. Now we are not told how old Jesus is in this story, but we think he is around two. Uh, these are not great gifts for a two-year-old. If you've been around a toddler, you know that anything shiny or smelly, the first place it's going to be put is in the child's mouth. I don't think that's what you want. But these gifts communicate something deeper that the wise men wanted to say. Deeper than just what they are. Gold is obviously valuable. It would be the symbol of holding value among royalty and nobility at the time. Uh, this, in its own way, symbolizes Jesus' royalty as king, as this king of the Jews. Uh, frankincense was, its own way, mainly used in sacrifices or rituals of divine significance. So this is a symbol of Jesus' divinity. 
Myrrh is a perfume that would have been used by the everyday people. Just in there. In its own way, it symbolizes Jesus' humanity and that the Son of God came to be one of us. The wise men knew this child was important. They knew that this child would be something different. It's why they're willing to take so many risks. It's why they made the choice to follow the star, because they knew God would guide them to something new, to something spectacular, to something that the world had never seen before. They knew that God would guide them to new life, and they, and they take a risk again. After they knew this, they defy Herod because of their dream. They do not return to him, and they do not tell him where the Christ child is. But they follow the will of God. And the same God that guided the wise men with the star is the one that is guiding us to new life. The one who is constantly calling us to experience what God is doing in the world, to watch for the signs of God leading us, and above all, to pray for God to lead us. And this is hard because it means surrendering control. It's like not having the GPS on. I had to surrender that control. I had to trust that my dad would not let me go astray. He would not let me go to California instead of Tennessee. I had to trust in the interstate signs. I had to trust in the person that was leading me. Just like we have to be vulnerable, we have to surrender, and we have to trust that God needs to guide us. And once we make that trust, we have we have to make the choice to follow. It's one thing to say, yes, God, I trust you to lead me, and it's another thing to get up and go. We can't just wait for God to grab our hand and take us wherever we need to go. We have to get up and go wherever is God is calling us. I've told before about my time in Red Lake, Minnesota, working with the Native Reservations. And I went back one time, a couple years going, and I struggled with that decision a lot, but I just heard in this time of God saying, I'm here, where are you? I had to make the choice to go and follow. Where is God leading you? Where is God leading us? Where is God leading Good Shepherd? It could, God could be leading you to outreach to the homeless around Hendersonville and Nashville, to offer a gentle hand, to offer a kind smile. God could be leading you to serve on the church finance committee, which sounds like a lot of fun. Perhaps, maybe, hopefully, God is leading you to volunteer to teach youth or children Sunday school. Uh, you can see myself or Stephanie for more information. <laughs> but we have to take the risk. We have to take what might make us uncomfortable. We have to t- decide to do what is right and what is best and listen. That's the biggest thing that stands out to me when I read this story again, is that the wise men were looking. They're looking for the star. Often, And this is a theme that we see among the Bible over again, that they look. The most important word, the central word in Hebrew in the Moses burning in the bush story is that Moses turned and looked. It's in the dead center of the passage. 
He turned and looked. He could have gone off and never seen the burning bush because he wasn't looking. The wise men could, if they hadn't been looking for the star, they could have not seen it. There's this point where we have to get up and go. We have to be looking for the star. And so whatever we do when we're looking, when we're getting up and going, we need to know that it is God that is guiding us, that we're not alone, that there is this Emmanuel, God, with us, that God is leading us, that sometimes it might involve a risk or being uncomfortable, but God is always leading us to a new and better life. So as you go about this year, as you go about this time, Rest in the epiphany that the Savior has come and that our guide is here and our guide is still here. And know that the good news is that God is guiding you to new life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So where are we going? Are we going to follow the star? We're going to follow that star into 2024 as God leads us and guides us to where it is we are going. Amen? Let's get an amen on that. I know I am. I hope you guys are going to follow that star along with me as we, as we move into what is in store for us in 2024. And I hear, I hear that there is much in store for 2024 here at Good Shepherd. We're going to begin that today as we feast at the meal that God has prepared for us. This is not the United Methodist meal. This is not the Good Shepherd meal. But this is Christ's meal. This is Christ's meal that he invites all of us to so that as we come, we can follow him to the meal and then listen for him at the table. So all are invited to come. Christ the Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. 
You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant with our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so, with all your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light, And our salvation. You sent a star to guide the wise men to where the Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses, in every age through all the world, you have led your people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. If those who are assisting this morning will come forward.
Everybody in tension this morning, they'll take a piece of bread, hand it to you, you'll dip it in the cup. We do have single serve options available and gluten free if you are in need of that. Let us come to the feast that is prepared for you.
Let us follow the light wherever it leads us with the power of God, the strength of Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.